Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikuchi and you are listening to Jazzy's Travel. Hello everybody, Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here welcoming you once again to a new episode of Jazz is Travel. This is a podcast series that explores jazz and creative music in all four corners of the globe, touching on cross-cultural projects, different music traditions and more through conversations with or about groundbreaking, innovative and visionary artists. Bassist and composer Sigurd Hola has now been one of the most sought-after bass players on the Norwegian jazz and creative music scene for the past decade. His latest projects have shown a growing idiosyncrasy. The latest of these is Roraima, which documents a performance from 2020 commissioned by Oslo World and reflecting on themes of solidarity and ecological vulnerability. By referring to the northernmost region of Brazil in the title of this new record, Hola draws attention to one of the work's primary sources of inspiration, the creation myth of the Yanomani people. And aside from featuring a lineup of fine Norwegian musicians, Roraima also makes a prominent use of field recordings of Amazon Biophony by US soundscape ecologist Bernie Krauss. Without further ado, Fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Here is our conversation with Sigurd Hola. Hello Sigurd, welcome to Jazz's Travel. Hi Matt, I'm glad to be here. What part of the world are you speaking to us from right now? Um, I am in uh, in Norway, quite right. close to um, to where I live in um, yeah, in a small village, uh, an hour and a half south of uh, of Oslo. So I'm now in my in my workplace. It's a very rural uh, situation. <laughs> Do you, is that kind of situation, as you say, a situation that you prefer? Yeah, I would say so. You know, uh, we moved here. Um, one and a half years ago and before that um, I spent close to 20 years in Oslo and I enjoyed that very much as well um, I love the city and everything you can you can find there but uh, you know as I, I grew up in a very countryside location in sort of in the middle of the forest and I have that background and yeah, it felt good to now 
that I'm older and having experienced the city for many years, it's good to move back to the to the countryside. So yeah, I like that. Does the fact that you grew up, as you said, in a forest, have anything to do with your interest in the double bass? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I did not build the basses as, as a child. <laughs> oh, okay. From the trees. Well, that's no. one thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one thing. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I guess you can say there's a lot of um, wood, uh, sound-wise, coming from the double bass. So, uh, yeah, in a way, I guess it is. And also, I can, uh, since you mentioned it, um, the reason I started playing the double bass was um, because, you know, even if I come from this really small place, um, there's actually a symphony orchestra there. Uh, it's one of the oldest orchestras in Norway. It's like 140 years old, and it was started by my great-great-grandparents way back. And they needed uh, a bass player, and I was uh, asked uh, to join us when I was 12 or 13 or something. So, yeah, that's where the bass, uh, double bass came in. Uh, Sigurd, we're going to be talking about uh, your album, uh, Roraima, your latest album. First off, I mean, you know, the title, what does it refer to? It refers to uh, the northernmost state in, in Brazil. It's called Roraima, it's just at the border with um, Venezuela and Guyana. Also at that uh, exactly at that point where those three uh, borders meet, there is uh, the, uh, this tabletop mountain that's called Mount Roraima. And can you tell me a little more about this uh, this project? Because uh, also I understand that it was commissioned by Oslo World uh, for the festival in 2020, right? Yeah. So um, I was asked to do this um, this commission. It was originally planned to be a commission for my trio and. Um, and a foreign guest musician or or couple, but um, then the pandemic hit, and as we all know, uh, travel was not so easy. So uh, instead, I got sort of a carte blanche to to put together an ensemble of um, of Norwegian musicians and yeah, make the project about what I wanted it to be about, but it should relate to the the festival theme of that year of 2020, which was uh, solidarity. Yeah, that gave me the idea to make the project about solidarity with nature. This record reflects on themes as uh, solidarity and ecological vulnerability. Uh, Can you tell me uh, more about these themes and what they mean to you personally? For quite some years now, I have, um, like many other people, getting a growing concern about, about the future and about our relationship with nature and seeing how uh, the climate crisis accelerates and how loss of biodiversity around the world also is uh, getting higher and higher. And these things have been, I've been thinking about how it, um, how it comes into play in, in my work. And I guess it's, uh, it's something that concerns me to a great content in, in everyday life. It's also becoming a natural part of my expression as an artist in a way and and not only the um, things that are uh, worrisome but also the things that are um, that I find in nature uh, that gives hope and and meaning to sort of uh, go into and study and relate to in in a more personal way I, I can tell you a bit about my 
latest solo album first, maybe. Luis um, Merke, if you like, or, or should we just talk about this um, this new album? Well, mm. this is a, this is interesting that you're bringing that up because that was uh, another project that I wanted to, to ask you about and know more about. Uh, quite mm. ambitious. I understand that it was a, a double album of mostly, if for, for the most part, uh, solo uh, double bass, improvised, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. It was, yeah, much of it was completely freely improvised. Um, but there were also some compositions on some uh, quite clear uh, ideas of either a texture or a playing technique that I would develop in a, in a free way, uh, so to speak. Um, but this album was recorded at a place called the Arctic Hideaway. It's um, on an island in the northern Atlantic Ocean, uh, just outside of uh, Buda in northern Norway. Um, it's an amazing retreat uh, in the open sea on this uh, this island's archipelago. It's as right now. Yeah, so uh, I went there some years earlier to um, to work and, and compose music, and then I came up with this idea to sort of use the environment on the island as um, as part of the music. And when I came back to do record the album, we recorded mostly outdoors or with the studio windows open and sort of let uh, the sounds of nature be be part of the music. So from the uh, from an Arctic island to the northernmost of Brazil, uh, yeah. These two parts of the world uh, seem very different uh, on the surface, but there is a common trait between them, right? One of them is that they are essentially endangered. So uh, nature is becoming more important in your work, as you said. Uh, you talked about uh, this, the, the, the album, which I think that, that its title uh, translates into light and dark, right? Yeah, that's true. And, and now with this new album, uh, Roraima, uh, you also work with um, field recordings. So nature becomes part of the music. In some instances, it actually is the music. Uh, can you tell me more about this this process of working with field recordings? I think it was in 2019 that I, uh, by coincidence, uh, I found out about the work of uh, Bernie Krauss. So he's an American soundscape ecologist spent the last uh, more than 50 years of his life traveling the world and making field recordings of many different natural habitats um, from the uh, jungle in Borneo to the Great Barrier Reef and Alaska. He, you know, he's been everywhere, <laughs> I guess you could say, and, and making this amazing immersive sort of natural soundscapes. And what he found through the years was that it became increasingly difficult to um, to record sort of you know the full and healthy soundscapes that he that he first encountered most of the time when he started out. So this actually became, as the years passed, sort of um, should you say a sonic evidence in a way, or um, yeah, of how how we um, affect the planet and nature. Which has a quite profound philosophical <laughs> impact on me, at least, uh, mm -hmm. to sort of learn that the sounds are actually disappearing. Um, maybe not so surprising, but still, it's uh, yeah, I find it very touching in a way, and also also very sad. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But um, as I started doing research for this, for the idea behind uh, Ruraima, um, I learned about uh, 
the Yanomami people that lives in this part of the rainforest. Um, Dawi Kopenawa, who is a Yanomami shaman and also a very uh, famous spokesperson, both for the Yanomami and for indigenous peoples in Brazil in general. Uh, he wrote this amazing book in published in 2013. It's called The Falling Sky, which is uh, yeah, a very fascinating account uh, about the Yanomami way of life in the rainforest uh, and their mythology and their ecological philosophy. I found reading this book was very inspiring and yeah, even though <laughs> I mean the life I live, uh, we live in the, in the Western world is so different from their life in the rainforest, it was still kind of, um, I could relate to it and know their experience of being, being a part of nature, being one with nature, which was really fascinating to sort of delve into as, and as I listened to, to this recordings of the rainforest, so I had this, uh, texts and also the sound of, uh, of the recordings that uh, the Bernie Krause made in the Amazon. It was, um, so th yeah, this became, very strong influence for the music. And so the sound, uh, the, these field recordings, the, the main theme of the, of the musical work, Roraima, is actually transcribed from, <laughs> from one of the birds I heard in, in Bernard's recordings. So it's a very direct influence. It was suddenly this small phrase was so clear, this little melody just popped out from the recording. <laughs> it was, uh, it was amazing. So, yeah. The track you are hearing just now is titled The Words of Merchandise from Roraima, the latest immersive album by Sigurd Hola, available now. The album is a live recording of the work's premiere, a rare live audience event that took place between lockdowns in Jacob Church, Oslo, on the 29th of October 2020. Roraima is both a celebration of the soundscapes of the natural world and an expression of grief as many of these sounds fade away. The album booklet contains text excerpts from Less Is More by economic anthropologist Jason Hickel. In Less Is More, Hickel proposes a complete restructuring of our economic system in order to bring it and us back into balance with the rest of the living world. Here is the second part of our conversation with Sigurd Hola.
let's talk about then uh, the instrumentation on the record because I find that uh, you know, aside from uh, this being uh, an assembling of uh, some of Norway's finest musicians, mm-hmm. I find that the choice of strings, accordion, and violin, and uh, and also uh, you know other sounds too, uh, was very important from an aesthetic point of view, right? Yeah, that's true. I spent a lot of time actually listening to the field recordings and before I decided the instrumentation because I wanted to see if I could somehow um, make an image or a reflection of the of the sound of the rainforest with with the musical instruments and asking myself what instruments could that be that could do this okay um, so like for example you know you would you would think of what instrument can represent the sound of the wind or something like that yeah, exactly. That's that's okay. how I went into it. How, yeah, how can I make this, make these sounds in the ensemble um, the best best way possible? And um, so, um, st- strings was an was an obvious choice for me in, in a way. Um, the birds are sort of a immediate thing to think about to make this very bright sounds in the strings, um, and also. Um, the desire to bring in strings. So there's both, there's the Hardanger fiddle, actually, uh, one of the violin players. Uh, this traditional region violin with uh, four or five resonating strings below the, the violin strings. Do you know it, the Hardanger fiddle? No, I didn't. And I was going to ask you about that particular instrument too. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, it's, it's interesting because when this podcast series, another thing that I'm discovering is I also find out about different instruments too that are yeah. particularly, oh, you know, nice. they come from different regions of different countries that may not be as well known. But yeah, that's yeah. that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it's a really beautiful instrument. It gives this rich uh, sort of modal sound in a way with the strings resonating below the yeah normal strings. So, yeah, I wanted that instrument, and that's actually kind of funny because um, the Ardanger fiddle, it's uh, known for using different tunings to fit different uh, traditions or different regions, different regions in Norway uh, of folk uh, traditional music. But there's this sort of basic tuning that uh, is the most widely used, and that's in... Um, in B minor, and that was the exact same key as the the bird was singing <laughs> just, wow. uh, on the recording. So okay, it's got to be a dumb fiddle in this, and yeah, <laughs> excellent. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay, so and on top of that, I understand that this album was also recorded live. Yeah, that's right. It was recorded uh, between lockdowns, uh, which is another interesting aspect I think to consider. Do you feel that you uh, were somehow? Uh, affected by what was going on uh, outside of Jacob Church, which is where the performance was taking place. Yeah, I would say so, most definitely. It was, <clears throat> I think for most of us in the ensemble at that time, we had performed almost no concerts for, <laughs> you know, for uh, half a year. And just before this, the, like you said, there was uh, quite a long lockdown. And then j- before the festival, things started to open up and... It became clear that okay, we can actually do this, maybe even with a live audience, and and we could. So, mm. and that was a quite a magical experience to be able to get together and and perform again, and that, and also during the during the week when we rehearsed in Oslo in the church, uh, the COVID numbers started going up again, and we realized that this might not <laughs> work out, but uh, 
it did just a couple of days after um, things locked down again. So we were very lucky. And yeah. and at that time we could have close to two, yeah, we could have 200 people in, in the audience and it was close to full. So it was amazing to be there in the middle of this, all this uns- uncertainty, you know, that I think everybody felt either you were living in Oslo or in Ruraima or wherever you were in, in the world at that time. So it definitely has some effect on the music and I'm very glad that it worked out that we could uh, that I could bring we could bring this this moment uh, into an album. It's uh, yeah. Yeah. So from an artistic standpoint, uh, Roraima represents the expressive potential that creative music has um, to both carry a message and take listener on a journey, yeah. including a journey of the senses, which I feel mm. is another way to describe this this record. Mm. Uh, do you remember when it was? Or whether there was a specific moment in your life when you realized that music could have this potential. Uh, perhaps it was an album that you heard or a performance that you attended. Yeah, I actually remember being asked that same question during my first year as, uh, as a student at the Norwegian Academy of Music in Oslo. We, we had this discussion, I think, with my, with my bass teacher, Bjorn, Bjorn Kjellemyr. I mentioned an experience I had... Uh, as a performer uh, some years earlier, which was um, being part of um, a larger play with uh, lots of actors. It was this huge uh, uh, sort of concert uh, performance uh, outdoors in in Norway. Um, And it was a very strong story about about war, actually, and about soldiers in freezing to death uh, in the mountain close to Rosenorod. It sounds very dramatic and it was it's a very dramatic story and I, I got to be a part of this uh, this concert when I was quite young and to perform in the, in the band and yeah. that was a very, very strong experience for me that sort of, um, yeah, uh, I guess you can say shaped the desire to want to experience this more both as a performer and as a listener because that was really taking me on uh, this emotional journey being part of the music and experiencing this play and, and the drama and everything it expressed. Yeah. Do you think that this is a, a type of music that you are exploring more and more? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Uh, I do put a lot of my personal experience into the into the music I make, also in the... I like to often write quite long texts accompanying the album, as you've probably seen. And uh, I enjoy working in this way. It gives... Uh, I find it inspiring to, right. to yeah, being being able to allow myself to be a part of the things I create like that. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Sigurd, it, it's, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Matt. I'm really glad for that. Thanks.
hope you enjoyed our conversation with Norwegian bassist and composer Sigurd Holla. His new album Roraima is available now. And I hope you will join me again next week for more globetrotting conversations on a new episode of Jazz Is Travel. In the meantime, I encourage you to check out jazzis.com for more excellent content on jazz and creative music. And of course, if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt Mikuchi signing off. See you soon.